The Oklahoma Sooners still have a Big 12 title game to play for. We'll talk about it on a special Locked On crossover edition of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Frog friends, Sooner fans, casual observers, welcome in. We have a crossover edition for the last game of the regular season. Thank you for making Locked On Horn Frogs or Locked On Sooners your first listen. And John, John Williams is with us at John Nine Williams on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. I saw you shaking your head. Uh, I'm sure you're thinking this has gone by really fast. I mean, we've made it. We are. This is rivalry weekend. Uh, this is the last weekend of the regular season. It, it's here. I guess we'll start here. Um, Brett, year two of Brett Venables. What were kind of your thoughts and expectations going into the season? And what surprised you? What hasn't? Kind of where have they landed now as we wrap up this part of the year? So I think for most people, being in this spot where is about the expectations. Being, you know, going into the final week of the season – having a chance at 10 and two, uh, having a chance to play for the big 12 title. All of those seem to be kind of the expectations of the, of the majority of the fan base. I think for mm-hmm. a lot of people though, they, they just wanted to see improvement out of this team, you know, going from six and seven. I said before the season that the floor was an eight win season. You you had to improve at least that much. Right. They've, and, but the expectation was you get to 10 wins based on the schedule that you had. Now you got the Texas win and that kind of changed the expectations a little Mm -hmm. bit. It it set the Oklahoma Sooners up for controlling their own destiny, basically for the big 12 title game. The college football playoff was in a a real possibility at that point. And then you had those two losses to Kansas to Oklahoma state where they turned the ball over six times and they kind of re the, the the expectations changed again uh, where you thought, okay, bummer. We lost those two games. Now let's just finish strong finish with 10 wins as far as Brent Venables and this team have gone, you know, I think the biggest difference has been the defense. The Mm -hmm. run defense has been much, much improved, even though at times they have been gashed. They've they've shown an ability to adapt and show resiliency in game. You know, last week against BYU, the Cougars, they put up 17 points in that first quarter. They only put up seven in the second half, zero points in the fourth quarter. They were pretty good on third down. I think they were 50% on third down in the first half. In the second half, they were just one of six. So it's shown that, okay, in in a a situation where, okay, maybe a year ago, they weren't really good at game management. They weren't really good at in-game adjustments. They've really shown to be much, much better in those situations. The defense as a whole, yeah, there are still some issues that need to be ironed out, still some talent that needs to be built up and depth that needs to be built up. But we're seeing improvements. We're seeing improvements in takeaways. We're seeing improvements in uh, competitiveness and just better understanding of the defense. I mean, we've got several players that should contend for an all big 12 selection at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the biggest difference. And for a lot of us, we thought, we thought, okay, if this team on defense can go from the one twenties, one teens in total defense a year ago, even to 75, you know, 60, something like that, it would show improvement and they've, they've been much better this year. So, but for TCU, it's been kind of the, the flip of what Oklahoma has gone through the national title game. Didn't go the way that Horn Frog mm-hmm. fans, or even I expect, I thought they were going to play that a little bit tougher because sure. I, didn't, 
I had a lot of respect for that TCU team, especially with the way that they played Oklahoma. They were a tough team. They were, we talk about Oklahoma's resiliency. They were a resilient team. They fought to the bitter end with Max Duggan, Kendra Miller, Quentin Johnston. But a lot of that heart and soul of that team went off to the NFL. What's been the difference for TCU this year? I mean, the simple answer is uh, they're 0-4 in one-score games this year, and they just lived off that last season. Like, they won a lot of close battles, uh, had that last-minute win against Baylor, of course, had close wins against West Virginia, K-State in the regular season. But, I mean, I think when you look at it at a deeper level, um, I thought they would take a step back. I didn't think it would be this drastic. The The thing that I was loudly wrong about before the season, John, was – our friends at FanDuel had the over-under at seven and a half. And I was like, man, hammer that over. Like, they, they're going to get eight wins. I just feel like they're not going to be – like, if Sonny Dykes is who I think he is, then that won't happen. Um, the the biggest glaring issue has been the red zone offense. And I'm sure OU fans might, uh, might kind of roll their eyes at this too or, or get a kick out of it because they might experience the same frustrations with Jeff Levy. But Kendall Bryles, he's just really struggled in scoring territory and short yardage territory. It's not all his fault. The offensive line's not very good. Um, and, and that's been a big issue as well. But it just feels like they get way too creative, way too cute, not enough north and south, just getting the yardage you need. And so, I mean, they put up yardage. Um, they're just not scoring touchdowns. Uh, and they're turning the ball over too much. I think the defense has been okay. Um, but it – it's a defense that ideally would be paired with a robust offense that can, you know, trade, go score for score with a lot of teams. And they haven't done that this year, but by and large, um, I, I think last year was a very senior heavy laden team. You talked about all the guys that went to the NFL and we are now sort of seeing the effects of the last two recruiting cycles in the Gary Patterson regime weren't great. You know, they kind of swung and missed, especially in the trenches and they tried to offset that with the transfer portal, and I thought that that would be successful. Um, but a lot of the guys that they took, you know, kind of flyers on, haven't worked out either because they've been injured or they just haven't produced like, you know, we thought they could. And so it's led to a team that's been fairly mediocre. Now, I think they've gotten better as the year's gone on, um, but they miss Max a lot. They miss Steve Avila, who's starting for the Rams now. They miss Quentin Johnston. Uh, Darius Davis, you could you could run down the list of guys that you know stepped up in big moments for them last year that are not there. And I feel like more than anything, it's been a it's been a reality check of okay, TCU is a good program. I think they have a very high ceiling. I think Sonny Dykes can get this done, but I'm not sure that they can reload like a blue blood can, if that makes sense. Like it might still be a, a university and a school that their best bet is to be really, really good every two to three years. And then the other seasons, you hope that you're winning between seven and nine games and staying super competitive. We'll see what happens when they join the new Big 12. Um, and then Chandler Morris won the job last season. And I think, you know, we thought, well, he's, he's going to step in and be uh, a really solid player. Um, and it just didn't work out. And then he ended up having the injury and Josh Hoover stepped in and has done a nice job. But speaking of QBs, so Dylan, Gray, Dylan Gabriel goes down with what appeared to be a concussion against BYU. Um, I know uh, Venables has been saying that he thinks he could be available this Friday. Um, I guess a two-parter for you. One, 
what's kind of your feel for who will play? And then secondly, how much does this offense change with a super talented but young quarterback in Jackson Arnold if he gets his first career start? So the first part of that, I think it's going to be Jackson Arnold getting his first career start. It, it would surprise me a little bit. Now, I'm I'm not sitting here calling Gabriel or Brent Venables a liar. I'm not doing that. Just based on what we saw last year going into the Red River game, coming out of the TCU game, Dylan Gabriel suffers a you know bad concussion. Now, arguably the hit then against TCU was maybe worse than what he uh, suffered in this game. But still, concussion is a concussion. It's his second concussion in as many years. It's a short week. I would be surprised if Dylan Gabriel played. That's not to say that he won't, but I'd be surprised. Mm -hmm. So with Jackson Arnold at the helm, hopefully the offense doesn't change at all. Hopefully you're still able to run a lot of what you want to run. He's got a bigger arm than Dylan Gabriel. So it gives you a little bit more ability to go down the field. Maybe he's not going to be as experienced reading the defenses that he might see this week, but you're still going to be able to do a lot of what you want to do. And the quarterback run game is still very much in play with Jackson Arnold. We saw it in key moments against BYU this past weekend, picked up a key first down late in that game to help keep that game ceiling drive alive. And then on the, the deciding third down play, you know, audibles to, you know, the short pass, they had a long pass called to, to attack the sticks. Uh, BYU was playing off man coverage and he audible to the slants, checked into the right play, hit Jalil Farouk, Jalil Farouk mm-hmm. fought for the first down ball game. So I would hope, my hope is that they don't change the offense at all, that they just yeah. prepare him to do what he does well. And that's throw the football with great ability and, and then use the quarterback run game. The other thing that's been a big part of that, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in our keys of the game as well, but the run game for Oklahoma has really come on strong. So I expect them to continue to lean heavily on that, but I would hope that again, that the offense changes none because arguably you've got a much more talented and much higher ceiling on offense with Jackson Arnold at quarterback. Just the experience is a big, big difference. Yeah. He's uh, I mean, what did you see from him in the BYU game? Because I know he's played a little bit kind of sparingly in, in some games that got out of hand. Did he, did he look comfortable? I mean, did it feel like he was processing things well? Kind of where is he at, you know, in, yeah. in this moment now? I mean, I think early on you'd expect some true freshman jitters playing in Lavelle Edwards stadium. That's mm-hmm. going to have the, the biggest capacity of any remaining big 12 team after Oklahoma and Texas leave. So it comes in tie ball game, you know, big moment. And at first has a, looks like a true freshman at times, but he rips off a big 28 yard run on, on a third and eight at one point that gets called back due to a penalty. But then later on in the game has a big third and 16 conversion to Jalil Farouk again uh, to help extend a drive that would have ended in a field goal if the kicker didn't just absolutely shank it. Mm -hmm. Um, So he, he looks the part, he looks like a guy that's able to make the big play in the big moment Now it's just a matter of, okay, getting him prepped. And the thing that the coaching staff and even his wide receiver core and the quarterbacks have all talked about is his ability to get prepared for games, to stay prepared, stay focused, even as the backup that they had intended on redshirting. They they talked about it the previous week after the big win over uh, West Virginia. They believed that they would redshirt Jackson Arnold and it didn't come to pass that they were able to do that. So, you know, he's a guy that's, that is locked in. He's all business and he's going to come into this game all business as well, whether he plays or not. Even if he doesn't get the start, I'm sure he's preparing like he's going to get the start. Was the was the run defense issues against BYU? Was that a fluky thing, John? Because I know like this this OU defense has been solid this season, 
Was that sort of a one-off issue, or do you feel like that's a problem they've had the last few weeks? Well, they've had moments on and off throughout the season where you know they they if they stay keyed in on what their responsibilities are mm-hmm. defensively, they they play great. If they play good team defense, they do a really really good job. It's when they kind of get outside themselves and and lose their their keys, lose their focus and don't play that solid team defense, just doing their job. That's the thing Brent Venables harps on the most is just do your job, do the thing that you're responsible to do. Don't, don't get outside of your lane. Don't get out of sight of your, out of your, uh, your rush lane and things work out again, as the game went on, a lot of the reason that the defense had so much success in the fourth quarter against BYU is because they played much more disciplined defense later on down the road. For TCU, though, what, what's been the, the key to any kind of defensive success that they've had this year? Again, they're going to go up against an offense that, with or without Dylan Gabriel, has been the number four offense in the country this year. They're top five in yards as well. So how are they going to, or what do they do well, and how are they going to be able to attack this defense or this Oklahoma offense? Yeah, I mean, this is a really experienced group. So the, the secondary, to me, is the biggest strength. They have – a corner in Josh Newton, who started every game last season, has come back and done an outstanding job. On the other side, Avery Helm, the Florida transfer, um, has been a solid player for them. Uh, they're a veteran group at that safety position as well. And when they're at their best, they're flying to the football um, with that 3-3-5 scheme that they run that, you know, is not really like a fad anymore because it feels like everybody can have their own, mm-hmm. their own version of that hybrid defense. But it can be tough on the O-line to identify in the run game, okay, who are we blocking? Um, sometimes you trick teams into understand or thinking like, oh, we got the numbers advantage here, and then you don't. Um, Shad Banks has replaced Johnny Hodges, who went down with an injury earlier this season and has done a really nice job, very athletic. They move sideline to sideline well. I think the fascinating storyline to me about this matchup is Joe Gillespie, much to uh, the chagrin of many TCU supporters, is not super aggressive. Like that's just not in his DNA. He wants to rush three or four. And this defensive line is kind of reworking and retooling um, after Dylan Horton, who emerged from them last year, got drafted by the Texans this offseason. And so the, the pressure hasn't always been there. And with a young QB, you would think the recipe would be, let's heat him up. Let's try to force him to make quick decisions. Uh, but that's not – really who Joe Gillespie is. It's much more of a, we're going to keep things in front of us, limit explosive plays, try to force teams to go on 12, 13 play drive. So I'm curious to see how they would approach it if that ends up being the situation. Um, but overall, like I think this defense has been good. They had a, a, they blew a tire against Kansas state and Manhattan, but every phase of the team did, you know, they got just shellacked by that K state team. Um, but they kept them in games against West Virginia and Iowa state where the offense really struggled uh, they played well against Baylor in the second half against Texas. So this is a, a, a unit that's had a lot of starts, a lot of time together, and I think the communication, the understanding of the defense is at a high level. So um, on paper, like it would seem like it would be a good defense to go against a young QB. I'm just not sure they're going to you know, do what you would typically expect, which is bring a lot of guys from different angles and try to confuse – uh, Jackson Arnold and enforce him into some tough decisions. In a moment, we're going to do keys to the game here with John. Before that, though, a quick word from one of our sponsors. If you want to make some money, stay tuned here. It's a crossover edition of Locked On Horn Frogs and Locked On Sooners. Prize Picks Daily Fantasy. If you're watching on YouTube, you see it right here. It's PrizePicks.com. 
slash locked on college. Is your fantasy team completely in the tank? I think, John, you play in those like crazy dynasty keeper leagues, don't you? Yes. And a lot of those are in the tank on purpose. See, well, this is a good thing because you can start playing daily fantasy with the prize picks app, or you can go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use that code locked on college for a deposit match up to a hundred dollars. They'll match your first deposit up to a hundred dollars. And there's some really cool deals. They have a specials league, which is combo projections uh, with NBA and NFL players. So if you think LeBron James and Travis Kelsey will have a combination of 10 and a half, three pointers made in receptions, that seems like a good bet. You can bet there. They also have a community plays that feature celebrities like Meek Mill, the rapper and comedian, Andrew Schultz. Uh, you can look at their app and find entries from some of the biggest names in the prize pick community each week. Prize picks also offers reboot policy. So if you, if one of your entries stays in play, even if your players get injured uh, for football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. They're the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy, quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Again, prizepicks.com slash locked on college. That code is locked on college. It will match your first deposit up to $100. Prize picks, proud sponsor of the Locked On Network. Okay, John, if OU is going to, uh, I mean, basically handle business because they're the favorite in this game, what has to happen? What are some of the keys, uh, I guess, regardless of who's playing quarterback for the Sooners? I think for them, it's don't change your offense, regardless of who's in at quarterback. When they're playing at home, they're much better than what they are on the road. But when they're dictating offensively, they're really, really hard to stop. I mean, Drake Stoops has come alive the last few weeks, and it's because they've decided to be a little bit more aggressive pushing the ball down the field. You talked about Art or Kendall Bryles and Jeff Levy and the similarities in their offenses. One mm-hmm. of the frustrations with Oklahoma, Oklahoma's offense amongst Oklahoma fans is the behind or at the line of scrimmage stuff. You know, the screen plays, the jet sweeps, the reverses, all that stuff, trying to get, you know, east-west when, like you talked about, going north-south in the red zone, we want to see that more from Jeff Levy. Well, when they've dialed up more stuff, attacking the sticks and throwing to the intermediate part of the field, running more downhill with more gap scheme, getting Gavin Sawchuck, who is a blazing fast running back, but getting him downhill in the running game, it's everything's clicked so much better than they have when they've tried to push everything to the, to the side. Now they'll still do a little bit of that. And I think it's just to keep teams honest and not allow Mm -hmm. them to stack the box. But I mean, when they've been at their best, it's been attacking the 10 to 20 yard part of the passing game. They've been really, really, really good at that. Been very, very successful. So if Jackson Arnold is in that quarterback, the biggest key to the game for me is don't change your offense at all. Don't change your approach at all. Continue what doing what you're doing. Play to his strengths, yes, but also allow him to to push the ball down the field. And and they tried to this past week against BYU on that key drive. I mean, they had he had Nick Anderson running wide open down the left sideline, just put a little bit too much juice on it. But he hadn't thrown a deep ball since like Tulsa game in September. <laughs> yeah. So you know it's kind of understandable a little bit. Uh, defensively, keys. I mean, I think a lot of it is containing Josh Huber, man. The dude is lighting teams up through the air right now. And Oklahoma has been a little bit susceptible to in the passing game. They've been opportunistic. They create a lot of turnovers, have a lot of interceptions tied or number two in the, in the nation in interceptions per game. But if he gets hot, 
I mean, it, it could be, it could be trouble for Oklahoma. So it's a matter of making sure that their zones are really solid because that's an area where they've struggled a little bit too. So if they're, if they're solid on defense and they can limit the big plays from Josh Hoover and, and don't allow him to get in too much of a rhythm, then I think they're going to be okay. But a lot of it defensively just comes back to just being assignment sound for Oklahoma. And if they're assignment sound, I mean, they're going to have some bending. You just can't break mm -hmm. for TCU. What does TCU got to do to pull off the upset here? Yeah, I mean, you, you got to win the turnover battle. I know that's a huge, like, off-the-beaten-path thing that I'm saying there. Um, but the, the biggest issue for Josh Hoover, he gets himself into trouble when he's throwing picks, and he just trusts that arm too much. He had an interception against Texas, like, right before halftime. Um, TC was trailing by 13. You know, they're trying to drive down before the half. He just lets a duck fly. Really in the vicinity of no one, Texas picks it off. They end up scoring a touchdown a few plays later. And that was really the difference in that football game. He said after the game that it was a pass that even Jesus Christ himself shouldn't have made, which is a good line. It's not great theology, but it's a good line by Josh, and I appreciate yeah, Jesus it. Jesus could throw any pass. I'm, I'm That's right. Jesus would make a better decision. Uh, but I appreciate the, the humor there. But you could tell Sonny Dykes, Sonny Dykes pulled him aside in that moment, and I don't know what he said to him. It might not have been super encouraging, but it was. it, it kind of seemed the vibe seemed to be like, Hey, like this, we, we can't do this. Like you, you have to get a better handle on things. And in the last six quarters, he's protected the ball much better. I know OU is is really uh, adept at forcing turnovers, creating chaos. And so I think that's a huge key. Um, I feel like you have to be aggressive this week on defense. You don't have a lot to lose. Like bowl eligibility is a big deal, but this is the difference between going home and playing probably in the first responders bowl. Like just if you get burned by Jackson Arnold or Dylan Gabriel – so be it. But, I mean, I think this is the week that you kind of got to let things loose and get after it in a big way. Um, and then, please, if there's any way you can run the football, that would be great. I, I don't expect it because they haven't done it in about five weeks, but I'm slightly encouraged by what BYU did last week, and so I'm wondering if maybe they can rep replicate that to a certain extent. But even Imani Bailey's big runs against Baylor – I mean, it was breaking a couple tackles behind the line of scrimmage and then keeping his feet about him and moving forward. So, like, I think that would just be a big boost for them in their offense, even as well as Josh has done throwing the football if they have more balance, especially on the road. Uh, how much, if at all, are people talking about – I mean, I know the Big 12 championship game possibility is out there still um, if Oklahoma State loses and the Sooners win – but maybe the last Big 12 game ever, definitely the last Big 12 game in Norman. I mean, is there some nostalgia? Is it like, let's get the heck out of here? What's, what's kind of the sense that you get from your listeners and viewers leading up to this week, if that's been discussed at all? Yeah, I think if there was any nostalgia for the Big 12, it went away in Stillwater uh, a few weeks back whenever Drake Stoop was, Stoops was mauled in the end zone mm -hmm. and no flag came out of the referee's pocket. Um, so, and then, you know, a week later, Drake Stoops gets called for a uh, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty because he spikes the ball after a big 60 yard touchdown run where he carried a couple dudes into the end zone. So mm -hmm. I think any of that nostalgia is gone. I think, you know, I, as somebody who hasn't always been an Oklahoma Sooners fan, I appreciate what the big 12 is and I, I will continue to watch and enjoy it because it's, it's football and it's in our area, but yeah. yeah, it's a lot of it is just, let's get ready to move on to the sec. Even this year, a lot of the talk has been about preparing for the sec uh, because that's the, the big uh, mountain to climb come 2024. So uh, I don't think anybody is 
necessarily sad about leaving the Big 12. I think people, whether they admit it or not, are going to miss some of it, you know, because I mean, some of these matchups we've had forever, Iowa State, I mean, Kansas State, Kansas, you know, Oklahoma State, I mean, these things go back almost a hundred years. Mm. Like it's hard to just like rip, you know, rip that off, you know, rip that bandaid off and just move on. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's an exciting new challenge going to the sec. You get Bama coming to Norman next year. Uh, you get Tennessee, you get to go to Oxford. So there's a lot to be excited about. And still there's a lot to play for this year and that you've got a chance, even if it is a slim chance of making the big 12 title game, you need a little help from the Cougars uh, and maybe some help other, other places as well. But, uh, so still a lot to play for this year. And again, bowl, you know, you get to go to the most likely the Alamo bowl, uh, if the, if the cards fall right. Uh, but, uh, you know, and, and an opportunity to play a, a PAC 12 team that maybe you haven't played before and, uh, different projections. You might be seeing Oregon USC, State. USC. I don't, I don't think USC has been good enough. You know, I, there was a time where that was the hot predict projection, but because yeah. they've kind of fallen off the, off the earth a little bit, I don't think that's going to be the case. I, I think it's Oregon state or Utah or, you know, something like that, but, uh, still a lot to play for a lot of pride to play for a lot of guys that are still trying to, you know, play themselves into key roles going into next year as well. So there's a lot, I think for, for Oklahoma fans. And, and again, this is going to be potentially the last big 12 game. There might be a little uh, trolling that happens uh, from the OU fan base uh, on, on Friday, not on Saturday, but on Friday. So it, it's going to be fun, man. And I think, you know, with the TCU matchup, it's always been one of those that's uh, been intriguing, at least to me, because TCU has been, kind of one of the better teams that wasn't an original big 12 team for a long time. Um, and so I think there's, there's some fascination there and, and Oklahoma fans are eager to get that win back from a year ago. Another thing that probably wouldn't be super enticing about a USC Alamo bowl matchup is I don't blame him, but I feel like Caleb Williams already has the bag like halfway packed. I, I think the chances of him playing in that game would be, uh, would be slim to none, John. Yeah. And Lincoln Riley might be gone with him. We'll see about that. Lincoln Riley, definitely Alex Grinch. These are people that might need to use LinkedIn.com soon. We're going to have John tell you about LinkedIn next here on the Lockdown Network. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. Available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. All you got to do is go to LinkedIn, post your job, Add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. I mean, these uh, so these athletic directors and presidents, I'm sure they'd, they'd look, love to be able to ask just the right question mm-hmm. and just the right candidates but they don't always get them. So make sure you go to LinkedIn jobs for your hiring process and do a little bit better than some of these athletic directors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. One cool thing we have going to now, and we'll get to predictions here in a second, but uh, the lockdown network has launched the first ever 24 seven streaming sports channel on YouTube. Locked on sports today. Lost is kind of the cool, you know, acronym that we have for it. Um, but if you tune into that, you might see John and Josh talking OU Sooners football. You might see myself talking about TCU. Uh, maybe you'll get some Cowboys info, Rangers, whatever the case may be. 
Uh, John, that Rangers championship, that meant something to you, right? You're a Rangers fan. Oh my gosh, man. I'll admit I've not watched very much baseball in the last Mm -hmm. 10, 12 years, not because David freeze broke my heart and I could (laughs) never watch another baseball game again. No, we, we moved overseas and it was much harder to keep up with baseball um, while overseas. And so I mostly focused on football, but yeah, man, Texas Rangers fan. Um, and dude, I could not believe it. I could not believe that they actually won one. It, I never thought I'd see the day. I couldn't either. And now you have a whole off season where Bryce Patrick from lockdown Rangers will cover that as well. Locked on sports today. Check out the first ever 24 seven streaming sports channel on YouTube. All right, John predictions, final thoughts. OUTCU 11 a.m. Friday. What do you got for me? Man, I think it's going to be the Jackson Arnold coming out party. You know, as as I think um, aggressive as TCU might try to be in this one, I think this is a game that he's just geared up for. I mean, we we've seen the talent. We've seen, you know, the guy that went and won the Elite 11 MVP, the Gatorade National Player of the Year, uh, the five-star player, the guy that was Brent Venable's first commitment when he join the Oklahoma Sooners um, across any class. And he, I think he's going to just come out and ball. He's been waiting and building for this moment. And I think this is going to be one of those things that he just has, has his moment, you know, to finish the 2023 season and then get everybody geeked up for the uh, 2024 season. As far as score predictions go, I'm going to, I think TCU does score on, on Oklahoma a little bit, especially through the air. I think they find some things, especially uh, I think maybe in the second half, if the game's a little bit out of hand, I I do think that Josh Hoover, you know, leads a few scoring drives then, but I'm going to say something like Oklahoma 35, TCU 24. I, I do think, you know, maybe it's not as close in the first half, but TCU does rally and, and make it a little bit closer game uh, toward the end. I've been wrong about this team a lot. And the first, funny enough, the first ever crossover I did in this network was with John Williams. That's right. I was just thinking about that earlier today, man. It was in 2021. It was the last year of the Gary Patterson era. I believe the Big 12 Conference opener against OU in Fort Worth. And I didn't think the Frogs were going to win, but I didn't feel like I could predict against them in my first like kind of time on the network representing TCU. So I picked the Frogs. They got beat pretty soundly that day. You might th- think that would deter me. You might think a five and six record would deter me. It's not going to. Frogs pull it off. I'm not sure how. I'm going to say a Griffin Kell field goal at the buzzer. I actually do think this team is improving. Um, I feel like Josh Hubers figured some things out. Young quarterback makes some mistakes. I know Jackson Arnold super talented. I think he's going to do some great things in the SEC. Best of luck to you. But the Frogs win. Strap on your helmet, Miami of Ohio. You're going to play TCU in the first responders bowl in a few weeks. Get ready, Air Force. You might have to come to Fort Worth to play TCU in the Armed Forces Bowl. America's going to be watching. They probably won't be, but I'll be watching because TCU is going to the postseason. John, let people know where they can find you and your work. I just find that it's a fitting bookend uh, conceivably to uh, Locked On Sooners era in the Big 12 that you and I get to do our, our the last crossover um, of our Big 12 tenure. But yeah, you can follow Locked On Sooners on Twitter at Locked On Sooners. Myself is at John Nine Williams. My co-host, Josh Helmer, you can follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref, and you can subscribe to us across any platform and uh, on YouTube as well. Yeah, I'm at Simcox Steven on Twitter. The show is at Locked On TCU and it's Locked On Horn Frogs on YouTube. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is that you like to actually listen to those things. If you still do audio versions of stuff, you can find it 
there. He's John Williams. I'm Steven Simcox. Will y'all have post-game coverage on Friday afternoon, John? Is that the plan? We're gonna we're working on it right now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I have I have day job responsibilities that day. I know. Things things are always getting in the way. Silly sick patients that need <laughs> taken care of. Tell them, hey, hold on. Please we'll see. fix your breathing on your own. I need to do a little, a little game recap. That's right. Uh, well, regardless, we'll have plenty of coverage next week. And, um, yeah, Sooners will be playing in the postseason definitely. So subscribe to Locked On Sooners if you haven't. Subscribe to Locked On Horn Frogs. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening and watching. Um, we'll see you later this week. It's the Locked On Network, your team every day.